0: They kind of put a challenge ahead of Max, which we know for much of these 10 races, he
1: hasn't really had. They were what Red Bull is now. They were that, they were that team that had the target on their backs, as Toto Wolff said.
2: That's what racing should be, and Charles Leclerc even said that after the race, that, you know, I hope you enjoyed that because this is what you know, Formula One should be.
1: The, the narrative was Lewis is great, Bottas is just good, you know, he's not. And that's kind of where we're at with, with Perez.
2: Welcome back to Unlapped. Monza was a success, as it always is. Remember, if you're watching us on YouTube, like this video, leave us a comment, and don't forget to subscribe to ESPN for more F1 content. And if you're listening, hit us with a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. It means a great deal to me, and it means a great deal to the boys. The boys are back from Monza, and I can't wait to hear all about it. Lawrence Edmondson, Nate Saunders. Who would like to go first? Whoever drank more rind on the ground in Italy?
1: That's quite a tough one. Uh, I think I, <laughs> that could be a toss-up between the two of us. Uh, I'll let Lawrence go first. I reckon Lawrence edges it, maybe.
0: He was, driving, okay. he,
1: was, he was designated yeah, driver. I was going to say, I was designated, designated driver at least a few nights. Yeah, uh,
3: very responsive. I've got to say
0: um, a bit of a shout-out to McLaren. They put on a quiz, uh, a kind of traditional British pub quiz-style quiz, style quiz uh, on the Friday night uh, at Monza. And uh, they supplied uh, the media with um, lots of very difficult questions and Quite a few shots of uh tequila vodka whiskey yeah. whatever whatever you please so yeah i think there we were probably level pegging weren't we nate although i feel like nate actually ended up drinking more because he had more penalty shots but i'll let him yeah. explain why
1: yeah so there are penalty shots if you were looking at your phone or if if, if the judge as yes. uh, the, the person doing the quiz adjudged you to be in need of one i was doing a fantasy nfl draft remotely at that time i was drafting fifth overall and i i was telling the guys i've got a draft and they said, every time you're on your phone, you've got to take a shot. So I would literally go up to the bar, take a shot, run out, pick Travis Kelsey, come back, and then probably do a shot again that I didn't need to take. So I ended up doing quite a few there. Um, so that was quite fun. And we we drafted the day before we'd, in person for another league, our F1 Fantasy League, which I started, I think, three years ago. Red Bull opened up their motorhome for us this year, which was really cool. We've got the head of comms, Paul Smith now, who's a friend of the pod, I think, at this point. Mm-hmm. He's in the league. Uh, and yeah, we had the stickers, we had the board and everything. So for me, a very, very NFL draft themed <laughs> week, as well as all the, uh, all the racing A a well, drafting person. We have a, a picture.
2: We should just show everybody the picture of you with your board. It's pretty yes. incredible. I, I for one, love that you guys were drafting overseas uh, in Monza before the Grand Prix. How'd you feel about your team?
1: Not great. Not okay. great. I mean, uh, people, people watching, if they want to pause that and tell us who the best team was. There's teams one Please through do. twelve. Please do. I think I was team two in that. Lawrence, do you remember which one you were? Uh, I think I, I think was were... uh, drafting at number
0: six, uh, which six six I didn't didn't like. Didn't like. Uh, you know, yeah. people, guys I wanted kept going. It was, it was tough.
1: See, this is what's great. Guttering. A few years ago, Lawrence and a few other journalists who I hang out with had no idea about NFL. Now they're talking to me about, oh, you know, when it comes back round to me on the, you know, on the river. You know, oh, I want this guy. I've got a handcuff. You know, I've got a handcuff. This running back. It's great. I've completely. I've turned them into all just NFL
2: junkies,
0: uh,
1: crazed, crazed junkies. Yeah,
0: it's really good. I'd, I'd like to add. I still don't really know anything about NFL, but I have <laughs> learned a little bit about how to do uh, fantasy NFL. Uh, I've learned a few like little tricks of the trade, but I still, yeah, I'm not an expert whatsoever about NFL. Uh, Nate very much is though. So um, so
1: there's no excuse if he doesn't win, right? If I win... Exactly. A, and yeah, I've only won talent. one of the three years. And the year I won was when it was the first year and I basically had the advantage over everyone because I know what I was doing. Since everyone's learned more, I've I've stopped winning, which I think says a lot about my <laughs> talent at NFL Fantasy.
2: But now, of course, let's talk about Monza and the race winner, Max Verstappen. 10 consecutive race wins. We all knew that it was... Uh... I'd say pretty likely that it was going to happen. We were wondering if maybe a Ferrari was going to contend. We'll get into that as well. But Max Verstappen now, the sole possessor of that incredible record. What was it like, Laz, on the ground?
0: I think it was definitely one of the more exciting of the 10 consecutive races <laughs> he's won because we had a Ferrari starting on pole at Monza for at least kind of 14, 15 laps. It looked like Carlos Sainz mm-hmm. might be able to give Max a run for his money as well. I mean, I think even Carlos in the car was starting to think, hella, you know, if these tires hold on, I've got a chance here um of course they didn't and uh max you know i think knew exactly what he was doing bided his time and did what he's done so well <laughs> this year now 12 times in total winning races 10 mm-hmm. in 10 consecutively and took advantage and went on to win um but yeah, it was fantastic because i think having ferrari up there which i, I know we're going to go and talk on to um you know was really helped kind of build the atmosphere ahead of the race it kind of put a challenge ahead of Max, which we know for much of these 10 races, he hasn't really had. And, uh, and Max still came out on top. But um, I I think it was it was fantastic for him. You know, I, I I still don't know exactly how much these records mean to him. But um, I think, you know, any driver winning 10 races, even in a career is, you know, an impressive achievement. There's a lot of drivers, uh, very good drivers who who, have won less. Uh, so to do it 10 in a row, I mean, that is is fantastic. And uh, yeah, uh, we, we, we talked about that last time, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again now. Well,
2: someone was uh, pretty keen to downplay the record, and that was um, direct rival and team boss of Mercedes, Toto Wolff. Uh, essentially, he said he didn't even know, you know if Max cared about the records, but he brought it down to, it's just for Wikipedia. No one reads that anyways. Nate, so- surprised to hear that from the Austrian.
1: Yeah, so we we were quite we. I mean, to be honest with you, it's been quite a quiet season for Mercedes and Red Bull. So we were delighted to hear that quote because it <laughs> throws a bit of <clears throat> throws a bit of wood onto oh, the juice. fire a little bit. And we, you know, that's kind of you know what we got so used to in 2021. We then started looking at it and we realized that Wikipedia is the fourth most read website in the world. So I don't think Toto Wolff has the same opinion of Wikipedia <laughs> as the the majority of people that know what Wikipedia is about. But um, I thought it was an interesting comment, and I think. Um, you know it it kind of it was a bit of a strange one to me, um because it is a big deal. You know, it is kind of unprecedented. And you know, I think it I, I feel as well at the moment anytime Mercedes are kind of commenting on Red Bull and Max's dominance, if it isn't glowingly positive, then even if even if you know even if they have got some um justification of what they say, it just comes across as sour grapes a little bit, doesn't it? Because yes. this is the team that dominated for so long. You know they had it; they had it their own way for so many years. And full credit them for doing that, because at the time they were they were what Red Bull is now. They were that they were that team that had the target on their back, as Toto Wolff said on Netflix. But everyone was chasing them, and that's flipped around now. And now it's Red Bull out in front. And Red Bull had to wait eight years to win that constructors' championship, seven to win a drivers' championship. And I think you know it's 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 quite telling that Red Bull aren't rising to this bait in a way they might have done in 2021. You know, Christian was asked about not those comments, but about Lewis Hamilton's comments earlier in the weekend about Max not having as strong teammates as him and Christian just kind of brushed it off and said I don't, you know, I don't want to get into that and he again said I don't think anyone would beat Max in this car. You know, which is kind of a, a way of responding to Lewis without actually calling him out. So, yeah, it was it was strange to hear Toto say that, but I think it probably shows you where Mercedes's head is at. I think they still feel, you know, fairly aggrieved about 2021. I think they're still, you know, they've talked a bit about the budget cap and maybe Red Bull didn't get away Sorry, maybe didn't get punished as heavily as some teams would have liked. I wonder how much that is playing in their, you know, in their mind when they're saying these things. But yeah, it's hard to it's hard to sound good when you're kind of throwing that much shade on a team that's like because at the moment Red Bull have won uh, twelve races or was it thirteen races this year? Twelve races this year. Max has won ten in a row. The other teams haven't really been close, and that's on yeah. Mercedes, that's on Ferrari, that's on Aston, that's on McLaren, etc. So when you come out and you say things like that, because. You know when he says it's for wikipedia it's like well it is for wikipedia and the reason it's in wikipedia is because it's a it's an incredible achievement it's historic and it's something mercedes you know no mercedes driver managed to do in that time when they were dominating schumacher didn't manage to do it so you can sit there and say oh it's just for wikipedia but it's like yeah but it wasn't like he was beating a mercedes record even he was beating a record that mercedes never got close to so great in terms of it gives us something to talk about but i just think the tone of it is all wrong for mercedes Mm -hmm. and um you i think it's it's amazing isn't it in sports when teams dominate for ages you can very quickly become a sour loser once that once that
2: oh yeah
1: period starts and i i've got to be honest with you i feel like some of the things we're hearing out of mercedes it does it does feel like that you know it's a team that dominated for so long and the stuff they're saying it's just there's not a huge amount of of kind of class and grace to it and um Mm -hmm. at the same time part of me thinks toto probably looked at it and said all the headlines tonight are going to be about max Let's just flip it around and make it about Toto Wolf, which at the same time is is pretty smart, right? Because now everyone's talking about not Red Bull and Max; they're talking about what Toto Wolf said. So, and I've just spent that entire sure. time talking about it as well. So, <laughs> I'm, you know, it's just Toto's world, maybe, and we're just living in it. Maybe that's it as well. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it probably will be the quote of the season, I think, especially if Max keeps winning. Because in Wikipedia, by the end of the year, it could be eighteen. Uh, <laughs> straight it could running. be. Uh, you know, it easily could be. Shortness.
2: Yeah. And I can't believe you're going to make me do this because I wanted to jump right into Ferrari because I was so unbelievably impressed by both drivers but because you mentioned it and we're already Mm. talking about Mercedes and maybe a little sour grapes I bring you Lewis Hamilton's comments ahead of the Grand Prix he said when I qualified half a second six tenths ahead of Valtteri Bottas the media didn't say the same thing as they say today when Max qualified six tenths ahead of Checo it's blown up much more in my personal opinion, Valtteri and all of my teammates have been stronger than the teammates Max has had. Okay, real quick. Let's just break it down before you debate okay. it, boys. Lewis's teammates, Jensen Button, Fernando Alonso, Nico Rosberg, Valtteri Bottas, George Russell. Max's teammates, Carlos Sainz, Daniel Ricciardo, Pierre Gasly, Alex Albon, and now Sergio Perez. Fair statement to make, Lawrence, out of bounds. Um, I,
0: I think the reasons for him saying it are a little out of bounds but i do kind of agree with what he's saying because if you look at his teammates well three of them are world champions mm-hmm. uh none of max's are world champions and george russell i think genuinely has the potential to go on and win a championship looking at the others maybe i'll want if things go right in his career you know but the others i, I i'm not sure they're of that caliber so I do think there is something in what Lewis is saying. I think it's a little bit ungracious to bring it up now, you know, when all the focus is on Max. Um, but, you know, I, I can kind of see where he's getting to. Uh, with the Toto ones, I just want to go back to that because like, I don't I don't agree with what Toto said. I think the fact that Max has won 10 races in a row is impressive, uh, you know, because it's never been done before. And there's a reason it's never been done before because it is incredibly hard to do. But there are factors that contribute towards that. And also, if you look at the drivers that have previously held the record, you know, they're not necessarily drivers that you hold up as the very, very best that have ever raced in F1. So Sebastian Vettel previously had it, but he won those nine races. And then the next year in 2014, didn't win a race at all. So there's some very key ingredients that go into winning X amount of races in a row. It's basically having a very dominant car. So I think when we talk about how great an achievement this is by Verstappen, we should actually talk about how great an achievement it is by Verstappen and Red Bull. Because Red Bull have built this dominant car that's allowed him to go and win races basically uncontested uh, and also a reliable car. You need a car that, you know, 10 races in a row finishes. That sounds maybe simple uh, in the modern era of F1, but it's really not. And also in the past, it's been increasingly difficult uh, to, you know, it's, it's been very difficult to do in the past. So, the other thing you need is a teammate who's not very competitive, a teammate who's going through a bit of a, a poor patch. So when Vettel did his nine, it was the end of Webber's career at Red Bull. And it really was a shadow of the driver that we'd known previously, um, as Mark Webber challenging for the championship in 2010. He really had, you know, uh, uh, lost out. And then again, next year, Vettel went up against Ricardo and Ricardo actually beat him uh, quite quite easily. Um, and then you look at someone like Ayrton Senna, you know, I, I consider Ayrton Senna among the very best drivers in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, the most consecutive races he ever won was four. And he did that in 1988. I think he did it other times as well. And in 1988, he had a, you know, a dominant car, as dominant almost, or possibly as dominant as, as this current Red Bull. But the difference being is that he had Alan Prost as a teammate who was pushing him to the championship. So while I don't agree that this, you know, Toto said this was an irrelevant record. I absolutely do not agree with that, but it is an unusual record in that there's usually key ingredients that go into it. Uh, You know, the fact that Lewis is on five Nico Rosberg is on seven consecutive wins as, as his record. And that's because at the end of the 2015 season, Lewis won the title, didn't really bother showing up to the final three races and then had a bunch of reliability issues at the start of 2016. So Rosberg you know he, well done for getting seven in a row but there's always you know circumstances involved with winning in this fashion I think so yeah just things to like try and see it from the other side again I'm not saying I agree with Toto I don't think it was uh you know particularly um yeah sporting or or the right thing to say at that moment but there is there is an argument that perhaps this record is is an unusual one in that it requires uh some various things to be in place And one of those, undoubtedly at the moment, is Perez not fighting Stappen for whatever reason. I don't know if we're going to ever find out that reason, but suddenly there's something going on there which isn't working for
1: Perez. The other part of that statement from Lewis that I thought was strange, uh, because I'm the same with uh, Lawrence. I actually tend to agree with him on his teammates just because you look at the pedigree of them. But the bit that was weird, I thought, was when he said, when, when I was out qualifying Bottas, the media didn't talk about it in the same way because that's one thing we did do repeatedly you know we we constantly were you know the joke was oh it's Bottas 2.0 this year it's Bottas 3.0 it's Bottas 4.0 and he'd win an early race and everyone would get excited and then he'd just disappear and drop off you know and Lawrence and I've talked about this before if you really want to get into the weeds of it you know Bottas by the end of 21 especially his form had really just dropped off and you could argue Lewis obviously there's the whole Michael Massey situation but if Bottas is in a better position at the end of that you know that Uh, that race Max can't make that free pit stop that basically changed everything so Mm. in that sense he's right you know we weren't super critical of Bottas after Abu Dhabi which was because we were talking about Michael Massey but I feel like for the majority of that time the the narrative was Lewis is great Bottas is just good you know he's not and that's kind of what we're at with with Perez the difference being I don't think Bottas was ever in a car where it was this one-sided in terms of it's just Mercedes winning you know there was always Ferrari were in the mix or Red Bull were in the mix uh, but I think it shows a bit of a short memory from Lewis because it wasn't like he and Bottas were fighting wheel to wheel. I don't really remember any race where Bottas beat Lewis, you know, by passing him on track. That you know, He had some very strong races. I'm just looking on Wikipedia now. He's got 10 race wins. So, Wait, you know, you're Max looking
2: has... at Wikipedia?
1: Yeah, yeah. the uh, okay. A little known website called Wikipedia. Um, I'm actually looking. I've actually got F1 records up there as well. It's pretty good. It's <laughs> worth a read at some point. Um but yeah, and and you know, you look at you just look quickly through the wins there, it's a bit like the wins that Checo's getting. There's wins here and there, we're like, Oh, he was great that mm-hmm. weekend. But he was never he was never in the fight in the same way. So I think Lewis has got a bit of a short memory there because, you know, he always talks about Bottas as if he was, you know, he, he it's his favorite teammate ever. But from a competitive standpoint, I think Bottas is probably one of his weakest. Um and if he looks at Button, Alonso, et cetera, and um, you know, he especially those two guys you know they were so so strong and obviously rosberg who won a championship against him those mm-hmm. guys were way stronger than bottas and i think um it's, it was just a weird comparison for him to use because yeah it was exactly the same as what's happening now i think it's just a bit more acute because max is winning so much and perez has been so bad but i yeah that was the bit from the lewis quotes i thought really stood out to me also uh while we're on it shout out for heike
0: kovalainen who we missed on our list yes. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. He's forgotten Lewis Hamilton teammate. But of course, was the teammate Fair. that uh, was going up against Lewis when he won his first title. So uh, not yeah. insignificant. And, um, you know, as much as uh, I like and as a driver, I'm not sure he would match up that well against a lot of uh, Max's teammates. Um, with the Valtteri one and Perez, so it is a really interesting comparison. But I think Valtteri was, uh, you know, he wasn't... There were occasions where he got obliterated by Lewis but not in the same way that Perez has by 1.2 seconds or whatever it was uh, in Zandvoort. You know, like Perez is really off the boil at the moment. He wasn't at the start of the year, so he didn't start the year like this. But at the moment, something is, uh, yeah, it's not working out for him. And I think it's, you know, it's a real shame because the potential of Perez, I think, is up there with Bottas. Sure. But the reality is less so. Bottas had a bad season in, I think it was 2018, where he actually considered quitting the sport at the end of it. Uh, but then came back pretty strong in 2019. So um, yeah, also you know let, let let's see what what Perez brings next year. If he can get his head straight as well, he might do something similar to what Bottas did, where have an awful season and then come back a bit stronger. Perhaps not good enough to beat Max, but a bit stronger at least. And then we can reassess it then. But yeah, it's it's, it's an interesting interesting debate. But I, I would say Lewis has had the stronger teammates, but I don't I don't think bringing that up now, you know, it kind of
1: yeah. really makes any sense yeah it just it looks it looks terrible doesn't it timing we all know breakfast is an important part of your day but sometimes
3: when you're traveling for business you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any you know what happens you grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely we've all been there but if you
0: book a room at la quinta by wyndham you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods fruit eggs yogurt and waffles and really
3: Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be.
2: It is time to give the people what they want. (laughs) That is Ferrari time!
1: Finally, a a positive segment. Ferrari dance?
2: Well... (laughs) it took we us way longer it. to get there than i was anticipating so i'm anxious sorry, to bad. talk about this that's, that's okay bad, because it was sorry. it was great analysis and a good debate and you, you brought it up so that's the segue that we go with ferrari my goodness they might not have won the italian grand prix but what a showing from both of those drivers carlos Sainz. i know he was overtaken by max and then sergio but what an effort defending also thank you fred visur for allowing them to go at it at the end. A part of me was like, oh my gosh, they're gonna ruin this moment. Like, what if they crash? And then there goes the points, there goes a possible podium. But that was highly entertaining and I'm so glad we got to witness it from the two of those drivers. What did you guys think of it, watching it firsthand?
0: It was fantastic. And just the emotion that Ferrari mm-hmm. at Monza builds in the, uh, in the Tifosi, as they're called, the, the Ferrari fans is, fantastic you know it's almost tangible uh when you're there on the grid and uh I, I don't actually know the piece of music but they play a bit of Italian opera just as the cars uh roll into position and in, it was first place oh. and third place which I'd never noticed before at Monza but they did it this time and then it was back down to the kind of electronic dance music that seems to follow us around everywhere we go on grids at the moment <laughs> but there were some yeah some really nice emotional moments and then that battle at the end, I mean, it's it's almost a shame it wasn't for for a little bit a bit bit more. If it had been for a win, can you imagine those two Ferrari drivers going to? I think then maybe Fred would have brought in some strict <laughs> orders. Uh, the, the the order was um, uh, no risk, and I don't you know looking at that, that was not no risk driving. That was arguably you know some some tiny little bit held back, but there was a lot of risk taken in in, in that battle but so good to see. And um, yeah, I think they were both absolutely loving it because that car has been awful at so many racetracks (laughs) this year. And uh, we finally kind of started to really understand the trend of it. And basically when you remove downforce from it on a track like Monza where you need to remove downforce to to decrease drag to have the car going faster on the straights, it all of a sudden sorts it out. And uh, the underlying kind of mechanical balance of the car gets better. And so the two of them were really, you know, I think enjoying that car this weekend yeah. which we we cannot say it, a number of races this year and i think that's what allowed them to have such a brilliant battle at the end um i had to re-watch it back just on youtube before before we started this podcast and i really recommend anyone to do it again like f1 have a little clip on youtube of uh all the moves kind of going back and forth and uh yeah some of it is pretty wild and the clerk had it he had it for, I, know. Um, I think it was two three laps from the end and uh, science got him back, but that's that was so so great, and that's what makes racing at Monza so good is that no overtake is easy at Monza, but um, but you can have proper racing when you have even with two very evenly matched cars. So, yeah, great to see.
2: It was there was such an internal struggle. I don't know if you felt like this, Nate, because Carlos had done such a nice job throughout the entirety of the race. When when Charles started pressing, you were like, okay, make something of this, let's let's see if you can overtake, and then you were like, well, no, Carlos has done such a good job, just like you know, Mm -hmm. back off, back off and just let him have. So I just kept like going back and forth, back and forth. And obviously, you know, Charlotte almost went into the back of him once or twice in certain corners. It was exciting as hell. I agree. Lawrence, if you didn't get to see the finish, you should go back and watch it. I know it didn't result obviously on both of them on the podiums, but that's what racing should be. And Charlotte Claire even said that after the race that, you know, I hope you enjoyed that because this is what, you know, formula one should be. So I I thought it was, um, kudos i guess i should say to ferrari for a, a great outing
1: yeah and i've got to say hats off to carlos Sainz because i've you know i've criticized him before you know i've sometimes questioned you know is he the best driver for ferrari but i'm really impressed with him you know in in he defended well against max you know he knew that max was probably gonna get past him at one point mm-hmm. but was you know he didn't he didn't move over and just let max pass he said if you want to get past me at monza you know you, you're gonna have to pass me properly and then yeah in that fight i think it was really fair you know it was clean and fair from from the two guys and leclerc probably should have done it you know if you look at you know the way the race played out for him versus science science you know i think actually did really really well to get that third position so i loved it um i mean it was heart and mouth stuff and i mean it's it shows you how how close the line is in sports doesn't it between being a hero and being a zero because if they had collided we wouldn't have even talked about Max's 10 records off the beat here we wouldn't have we might have mentioned it and said now let's get into the you know another shambolic performance at Ferrari you know they've hit each other etc and they were so close to doing that um so I'm glad that wasn't the story because for what was really special after the race was at Monza the the you know the crowd always runs onto the onto the track stands under the podium but it's, it's it's never quite as energetic when there's not a Ferrari driver on that podium there's still fans there but science was obviously third and when the Dutch national anthem came on for Max they were chanting Carlos 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 and you could see kind of a wry smile on his face you know he obviously would have been wanting to stand where Max was standing for that but it was just great it was a really great it was just theater I think of that by the end and um I think if nothing else Ferrari they're probably going to come out of this season being pretty disappointed all told with where things started you know you know just how they've been over the season but at least with Monza now, they've got this. They can point to this weekend and say, mm. if if nothing else, in front of the fans, as Fred Vasseur said, we put on a show for them. We didn't disgrace ourselves. You know, we didn't humiliate mm. ourselves. You know, and and science stepped up in a big way. Um, and I think that that, you know, it ultimately there are still big problems. I think with Ferrari, you know, going forward, they're still in a position they don't want to be in. But it's given it's given this part of the season, I think, a different feel to it. And you, it just is a reminder that you know, when when Ferrari are in that place, they can they can kind of compete at the front. And we'd forgotten, we hadn't seen that for about a year and a bit, had we? Ferrari and Red Bull dicing and then the Ferraris up in the front fighting for a podium. Uh, they've obviously had podiums, you know, since since last year, but I almost forgot that they were able to do that. So I thought it was really nice. And um, I just hope now that Ferrari don't get a bit carried away with this and just let those two guys fight wherever because I feel like, I feel like, as Lawrence said, they were kind of, you know, they were. They clearly both knew if we crash at Monza, I feel like we'll both be, we'll be in big, big trouble. You know, they might not have that same restraint uh, going to other places. But, um, I mean, the fan in me wants to see them keep racing, but the Ferrari fan in me, I'm not sure if I've got that. I'm not sure if I've got my heart's got that to see it again. So, but yeah, it was it was, it was fantastic, and I think probably we'll go down as best few laps of the season at the end. Be hard yeah, to top. It's gonna them, be like. up
2: there, and credit where credits due here. Nate Saunders hit the trifecta this weekend. We right. do predictions on unleft every single weekend going into a race weekend. And the trifecta is when you accurately predict one, two, and three. Nate Saunders.
1: So that's what I should have said Clap
2: it up, Lawrence. I know you don't want to, but pretty damn good for no, you. That's impressive. We all, that... in, we all bought into the Ferrari magic. We were all hoping for yeah. something at Monza and you were able to nail it. So the standings are currently set at this. Lawrence, you're top of the pops, 36 points on the season. Nate trails just by two points after oh, his big haul from Monza with 34 points. Katie is um a little bit behind at 29 points, but I'm coming for you. Okay?
1: Hey, I think that gap is closing up. Unlike the Formula One championship, <laughs> we're all closing on the leader. I the
2: space. Glad that you mentioned I, I, and that. And
1: also we should mention
0: Katie missed the first two yeah. rounds. Three rounds I know routes, I wasn't gonna I actually... wasn't gonna
2: make excuses, but I did miss the no, first two know. rounds. I
0: think, actually, big, I think that's a pretty that's big I think a pretty big answer Katie. Yeah, that's Thank pretty
2: you. big. I appreciate Lawrence you, you mentioning that to the fine folks that listen and watch. Mentioning constructor standings and driver standings, let's kind of just discuss best of the rest. Mercedes, I wouldn't say that was the best showing for them uh, this weekend, but they were able to finish P5 and P6. Lawrence, is, or Lawrence Lewis is able to avoid you know that five-second penalty. Um, he also had the collision with Oscar Piastri that led to that penalty. He did, in fact, go apologize uh, for the incident that essentially knocked Piastri off of his day. Um Albon again as we've I feel like mentioned week in week out continues to impress in the wilbon or in the in the Williams now I'm just blending words together at this point Jesus. <laughs> and then Nate your guy Liam Lawson P11 how about it? Who who yeah, impressed mate. you guys uh outside of Ferrari and Red Bull?
1: Yeah I think you mentioned that with Albon I was I've been impressed with Albon all season and I think one of the one of the things that was gutting for Albon last year, I mean, he had appendicitis, you know, that's you know, it's pretty awful, you know, in the in the context of it. But for he felt that Monza was such a big opportunity last year. And obviously Nick DeVries stepped into his car and fair play to De Vries. you know, he did a good job that got him, you know, what turned out to be a quite short-lived uh, F one stint this year. But they knew Monza was going to be quick and he delivered there. So Albon's just been really impressive. And um it's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I do part of me wonders, we were talking about teammates earlier part of me wonders how much how much better he's being made to look by the fact that you know so we're not really seeing the same from Sargent but you can only really judge on what we're seeing and Albon's looking great so I was impressed with him um I'm sure I'm missing an obvious uh an obvious candidate as well but um but Albon yeah just consistently standing out
0: yeah I 100 agree with Albon I think he was a standout performer behind um
1: yeah, Max and the and and
0: science, uh, but the other guy. I guess we've got to give a shout out to Bottas. Finally got uh, a point back on the board for Alfa Romeo. Not been an easy time at Alfa Romeo whatsoever, and even in Monza, I don't think anyone was realistically mm-hmm. expecting to get a point at that team before the start of the race. But um, yeah, he made it happen. So there you go. And and they, you know, after you were slagging off Bottas in this podcast, Nate, <laughs> there he is. <laughs> yeah. When you said that, I was like, oh Alfa damn, Romeo. I I picked
1: the wrong time to <laughs> slag him off.
0: Um, um, but I mean, look, it's it's so hard to judge the performance of drivers when they're further down the grid. I think this is a problem we we yeah. regularly have: is that you don't really know how good these guys are. Um, you know, because you're rating against teammates that are less proven. You know, Albon, I, I think, is actually doing a spectacular job, yeah. but you know, his teammate is rookie um, Logan Sargent, and you know, it's clear that Sargent's uh, struggling a bit now as as he's kind of got further into this. This debut year, so um, it's always always tricky to uh to, to know exactly what's going on with these teams. But the other cool thing about Bottas was the uh delivery, the, yeah. the paintwork Bottas on yeah. Al Promeo. Um, if you didn't see, definitely go back and check it out because I think it was probably the coolest looking F1 car on any grid for yeah. several years, maybe decades. It, it
2: wow,
0: yeah, yeah, look at it. Look at it. Good. We talk about what we have been quite quite critical of them.
2: I was but- gonna say.
0: Uh, we don't it's a big to deal coming from crowd. you. <laughs> but that one um, up Monza as well. So it's basically the Italian flag, the over mm-hmm. the over the engine cover. Look fantastic. So, um, yeah, there you go. Another Top shout of- out to, to whoever designed that, Alfa Romeo, along yeah. with Alfa and Bottas.
3: Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply.
2: Couple bit of notes before we, we say our goodbyes. Uh, Formula 1's 10 teams all spent within the budget cap in 2022. Nate, did they not? They are all clear. Yes.
1: Well done. Well done to the 10 teams. Um, I'm glad <laughs> that this news has come out. I think we're all dreading news like last year where you know there's an overspend and Obviously, that's still, I think that still lingers with Red Bull, you know, that there was, a, you know, the overspend there, the penalty they got, I think people still question was the wind tunnel penalty has actually had an impact on them. Um, But I mean, I, th- I think, yeah, the, the FIA has done this huge audit. Um, And I mean, we mentioned it, I mentioned it in the piece we wrote for Sight, but from, from talking to teams, this year that included them actually, the FIA actually looking at WhatsApp messages of team members to make sure that any work they're doing away from Formula One wasn't actually kind of, you know, being siphoned off into the team because that was a big fear, especially some of the bigger companies, you know, your Mercedes, your Red Bull teams that have, you know, all of these different arms to their company to make sure they're not doing stuff within Formula One. I think that was a big concern coming into this year. Um, And yeah, you know, uh, that audit to strengthen the team. They've come out a few weeks before last year's one. Obviously that lingered in. We were in Austin, weren't we, all of us talking about it and knowing that it was coming. So yeah, it's 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 a good thing going forward. And um I think what was encouraging as well, the FIA said they're gonna keep working on improving this system. I think everyone in F1 process, wants this to be done a bit quicker every year. But in you know, speaking, you know, if, if you look at how big an undertaking that is, it's pretty difficult to get it done, you know, straight away because it's you know, ten teams you've got to do a full audit for. So we don't often give the FIA, you know, don't always give the FIA huge glowing credit, but I think in this in this case it seems like they've done a pretty thorough job with it. I haven't heard any teams complaining about it. We heard some rumblings, didn't we, around Belgium time that mm-hmm. someone had overspent. But the FIA came to us and said, I don't know how anyone could know that, because we haven't finished the audit yet of, of the teams. So I think that was a lot of horseplay going on between the teams, you know, just people trying to get news stories out there. Um and yeah, they don't sp- do that. Yeah. Which There's and no again gamesmanship. it only took them two years for every team to be within it, you know, and and I think yeah. the big fear going into this budget cap era was that it just wasn't going to be you know it wasn't going to be enforceable or whatever and you know f1's adapted to it really quickly the teams have, have got their heads around it fast i don't think we'll always be in this position where teams aren't you know uh, uh are in compliance but this year well for 2022 sorry they all got the uh, the certificate of comp- compliance as well makes me laugh because you used to get a certificate if you like if you swam 50 meters you know at your local leisure center when you were a kid and then 75 meters you would get a certificate so i wonder if you know next to their trophy cabinet they can stick up a little certificate that says Surely
2: they don't get uh, a printed piece of paper do they yeah
1: and it just says i complied with the 2022 budget cap and it's signed by mohammed ben suliam and signed by your team boss and you know you get a big a star or something i think that's i think that's the best way going forward for them to um do think they'll, to mark these certificates.
2: they'll start hanging them in the lobby next to their yeah. world championship yeah. like, trophy there's card. our the,
1: there's our monza trophy from 2010 <laughs> there's our certificate of compliance from 2022 very proud of that one uh there's monza from the next year um, I,
2: I imagine like you, it d- certainly gave us something to talk about last year and um, what was probably not a very exciting into the the season. Um, I'm glad to close the book on 2022 in terms of budget cap. So we have done that. Good on everybody for complying and staying within the limits. Thank you so much. Quickly, off weekend. Then we've got Singapore. Do we have an update on Daniel Ricardo's recovery and when if we will see him sometime soon?
0: Yeah, Singapore doesn't look very likely uh it looks very mm-hmm. unlikely uh which is not a surprise I mean you know he broke a bone in his hand uh to get that get, get, get that back to a, a state where he can he can go racing seems uh seems unlikely so uh, apparently the recovery is going well as well as could be expected kind of uh better than perhaps you know the average person if they if they broke their hand um but uh yeah it's 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 going to take some time and uh, yeah, Singapore, it uh, looks like Lawson's going to be back in the car, and then Suzuka I'd be very surprised as well, just because it's okay. a demanding circuit, it's only one week after Singapore, and um, they have talked about not rushing Daniel back um, so, yeah I, I in my mind, I think Qatar is, is a realistic okay. uh, goal, but I don't know, Nate, if you've heard any differently
1: No, yeah, that's lined up with everything I've heard, I think, um, I think Daniel would want to come back as quickly as possible but also you know, he can he can kind of undo a lot of the goodwill from those first two races he had back if he rushes back, isn't fully fit, yeah. can't compete properly. So I think, you know, he, at the moment, I think from what I am hearing is I think even with this injury, I think it's pretty likely he'll stay with Tari next year. So Liam Lawson now is in an interesting position because he's got this chance to kind of almost reheat, um, uh audition for the, potentially for the sonoda seat. Um, so I think that that's more where Tari's head's at at the moment uh obviously would be great to have him back in the car um soon but good on lawson as well you know he finished 11th at the weekend i think it was pretty impressive um i think ricardo was targeting monza as a place where he could get points you know when he first came back they looked at that and said that's a good good opportunity so yeah pretty gutting for him but um yeah i think well yeah qatar sounds sounds likely and i mean i think danny ricardo i don't think there's any chance he would ever miss austin I, i think you know he could he could, you know, he could have broken both his hands, both his feet. I think he'd still find a way to race <laughs> in Austin, <laughs> uh, regardless. So we will definitely have him back for the for the two US races um, sure. and potentially Qatar as well. I could see that happening. So along yeah, been- saying yes, I agree with everything Lawrence just said.
2: Apologies. Yeah, so if you no, if you miss the two Asia races, okay, finding Qatar is on October eighth. So if you, you know, unfortunately there's a setback or something and he misses the next three, you know, the yeah. at Coda you've got quite a bit of, of time to really work with to make sure you're definitely healthy going into um, the United States Grand Prix. So obviously, you know, those fans really want to be there and see him race, um, especially now that he's back in the sport. As always, I appreciate y'all's analysis and your time. Enjoy the weekend off. Laz, when are you heading to Singapore?
0: Uh, Monday, uh, Monday night okay. flight. It takes the um, best part of a day together.
2: Okay. Well, enjoy the humidity. We can't hear, uh, wait to see what you have to say about the, the time spent in Singapore. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks for listening to Unlapped. Uh, hit us with a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back next week to uh, break down Singapore and give you the preview that you need. Cheers.